unique subject. I want to I want to thank you. Uh, I want to thank everybody involved with the presentation Sunday. Uh, I was taken by surprise uh, Sunday when uh, there was shared a video of Pastor Edwin Harper from Huntington, West Virginia. This has been a special week to me, and I thank you all for. Uh, your kindness, and uh, it's a special week for me. So last week, as you know, on Wednesday night, uh, 25 years ago, a revival was starting. It was my first revival. Well, 25 years ago tonight, the revival was concluding. <laughs> and, and I had preached every night but one in between. And uh, again, I wasn't prepared for that. I had, I had preached. Uh, I, had, I had gone with two messages ready to preach uh, at, at least the best I could tell they were ready to preach and, uh, and and I had had three but two of them merged into one and while that was good it was also a little daunting because it was the idea was man I, I need as many as I can get I don't need to be merging nothing I need to just keep what I got and, and do something with it but 25 years ago tonight the revival had culminated and it was something I never could have expected. On that night, I, my, faith, my faith was so high because I had seen the Lord do something in me I didn't know that he could do through me. I knew he could, but I, I didn't know I could be used of God that way. And I just was amazed at what the Lord had done. And my faith had really lifted through the week until that Sunday night I had preached and, uh, and there was such an anointing of God in that place. And we had seen many people filled with the Holy Ghost, many people baptized, many people healed. And, uh, and in the middle of that message, uh, toward the end of the message, there was such a strong anointing that I just, I said, if you need prayer tonight, I want you to come down to this front. I'm going to lay hands on anybody who needs prayer tonight and there were 600 people there and about 594 of them came down to the front and it, it frightened me when they started coming down to the front I I had the bottle of oil but when I saw the flood of people reality hit and I thought oh my I wasn't expecting this and then I thought, what have I got myself into? And I turned around to Pastor Harper, and I, I tried to hand him the bottle of oil as if to say, all right, I got him here. You go ahead and do what needs to be done next. And as I did, the microphone was facing him, and so it, it actually caught what he said. I heard him, but, but in the recording of the service, you can hear him as well. And it was very meaningful to me. He, he said, no, Joel, the anointing is on you. You pray for them. And I had to go pray for every one of them. And we saw a dramatic move of God. And, uh, and, and I, you know, it was just an amazing experience for me. Uh, I was like a limp dish rag by the time it got finished. But I, will, I wouldn't trade that for anything. And I thank the Lord for what he has done. I'm going to be preaching tonight or sharing tonight, just really going through a message that I preached, another message I preached that week. And it's actually the merged message. So this is the one that the Lord saw fit to, to uh, kind of combine from two to one. And I'm going to share it with you tonight. And I thank you for indulging me. 
I, I hadn't planned on doing this last week or this week, but as I contemplated, I thought, you know what God gave me 25 years ago is still so relevant to today. And I thank the Lord for his word because his word will never change. Hallelujah. And, and, and scriptures that, that comforted you many years ago, you can open this book and they're still there. Now, there may be a host of other things that have changed in your world, but this book never changes. Oh, hallelujah. There might be people who change, but this word doesn't change. Society might change, but this word doesn't change. People may be born and people may pass off the scene, but this word does not change. It is forever settled in heaven. And it was a great comfort to me as I just looked back 25 years ago. And so I, I'm reading from the book of Psalms and the eighth Psalm at that, beginning with verse one. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him. And I'd like to speak to you tonight, teach, probably every now and then preach, but I'd like to speak to you on the subject, the ordained works of God's finger. The ordained works of God's finger. And when we look at this passage of scripture, it is of course an amazing one to, to read because we find here this man this extraordinary man, David, who has such a beautiful relationship with the Lord. Uh, his relationship with God is, is one that, that truly is, stands out in the scriptures. He was a young boy out on the hillside of Judea, worshiping God at a young age, playing skillfully upon instruments to the Lord. And the Lord heard his praise, and no doubt a connection occurred between the Spirit of the Lord that inhabits praise and David who was praising God. And yet David describes in this particular psalm that he paused for a moment and he considered the heavens. He did not merely look upon them and move on. He didn't just see them and scratch his eyes, rub his eyes and, and go back into the house, if you please. But he actually paused for a moment and considered the heavens. The first thing we know about God is that he created the heavens and he created the earth. When he considered the heavens, the vast expanse of the heavens and they are vast it's amazing when you think about how vast how expansive the heavens really are I was thinking about it the other day and I I started feeling very small as I considered this I I, I began to realize our world is so small 
and the, the efforts of man are so small. Who do we think we are? That we would ever exalt ourselves to anything above what we actually are. We certainly ought not to think of ourselves more highly than we really are. We're so small, our world is so small, our inventions are so small, everything we try to do is so, it's just so small. And David considered the heavens, and while he is considering the heavens, he not only considers the heavens, but he considers the works of God's finger. And he considers the moon and the stars, which thou hast ordained. I remember as I was, was courting Sister Heidi, we, we were, you know, you have to be apart sometimes, especially when I was a preacher, I was traveling, and I didn't like, I didn't like being apart. I remember we were talking on the phone. I was in Los Angeles. She was in Indianapolis. We felt so far apart from one another. But we looked out into the sky and we began to describe the stars. She was looking at the same set of stars I was looking at. And this massive distance suddenly seemed to be not so far apart at all. Rarely do we consider the heavens. Rarely do we consider the moon and the stars. Rarely do we consider these things that God has ordained. And that is an interesting word, ordained. Because these things truly are ordained. Ordination is something that, that is, is involved with, with the preaching of the gospel. And no doubt, the heavens have a role and a responsibility in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'll turn one page to Psalm 19. And read to you what the psalmist, the same psalmist, said again about the heavens. The heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day uttereth speech. That means that every single day, as day revolves into another day, there is speech that is uttered. Night unto night showeth knowledge. As one night passes and another night arrives, knowledge is shown. This, of course, is the role of an ordained creation of God. He ordained the heavens to declare the glory of God. He ordained the firmament to show His handiwork. He ordained day unto day to utter speech. He ordained night unto night. To show knowledge. Then he said there is no speech. There is no language. Where their voice. Is not heard. It doesn't matter what language you speak. When you look out into the heavens. That God created. The moon and the stars that he has ordained. There is no language barrier. It's just this reality that God is great. And greatly to be praised. 
There is no speech, no language where their voice is not heard. Everybody knows when they look at the stars and the sun. If they'll be honest, they'll know there is a designer behind all of this. There's a creator behind all of this. There is a mighty God in heaven who has done great things. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiceth as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven, his circuit unto the ends of it. And there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. He said, I'm considering the heavens. I'm considering the moon and the stars that you have ordained. And Psalm 8, he continues by saying, once I've done this, it leaves me with this question that I can't get away from. What is man? That thou art mindful of him. What is the son of man that thou visitest him? Now this reference, the visiting of the son of man, this in the mindfulness of man, this is of course not only a reference to God dealing with man, but it's also a reference to God manifesting himself in the form of a man. That you would visit him. What is so special about us that God, who is obviously great, who is without question greatly to be praised. What is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you visit him? I've already explained to a very limited degree, and I think you would agree, that it's very apparent why the heavens would be considered and one would come to the conclusion that they declare the glory of God when somebody looks at the heavens it's very clear why you could have some introspection and say Lord you are great and I am nothing Lord you are high and I am low Lord you are wonderful and I'm unworthy it'd be very easy all you've got to do is take a little plane ride and one thing that's amazing about the plane ride is that it can be gray all around you but once you pierce those clouds there's always a sun that shines bright. It's a beautiful experience, and it just makes you know that beyond whatever cloud that hovers over you, there's a bright and shining sun. It never goes away. And so, so we see this, and we look down upon the earth that God ordered, that he created, that he, that he spoke into existence. And it's very easy to come away from that saying, what am I? He is great. And I am unclean. He is wonderful and I am unworthy. I understand what he means when he said, when I consider thy heavens. I, I get when he said, when I consider the moon and the stars that you have ordained. I'm left with a revelation about you and your greatness that would change my life. But he didn't just mention the heavens. And he didn't just mention the moon and the stars. But he mentioned the works of God's fingers. And that's different than the heavens. That's different than the moon and the stars. He didn't use his fingers to create the heavens and the moon and the stars. He spoke those things 
into existence. He said, let there be light. There was light. He called the light day, he called the darkness night. He, he commanded and it was so. He commanded the stars into their place and into their orbit. He commanded with his word, with his mouth, with his spoken word. He, he commanded the earth into order. One day, two days, three and four and five days. He, he spoke his word and the worlds were framed by the word of God. Oh, hallelujah. But on the sixth day, the Bible said that the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground. And man became a living soul when God breathed into his nostrils. The breath of life, man became a living soul. I want you to know that you and I are a different kind of creation. We're different than the sun. We're different than the moon. We're different than the stars. The Bible said so in 1 Corinthians 15. The writer said there are different kinds of bodies. There are terrestrial and there are celestial. There are human bodies. And then there are heavenly bodies. He creates things and puts them in the heavens. And then he creates you and I. We were made differently than those things. But we were ordained unto the same purpose. We were ordained so that all could look upon us and consider us. And it leave them with the understanding that God is great and greatly to be praised. Leave them with the knowledge that he is wonderful. He is counselor. He is the mighty God. He is the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. Leave them with the knowledge that there is one, hallelujah, who is above all. Hallelujah, through all and in you all. And this is the way that the works of God's finger operates. It's, it's, it's different than when he speaks it. He actually puts his hand on it and begins to to form it. And, and the finger of God is at work through the scriptures from the, the book of Exodus, the eighth chapter. I want to read something to you in a moment, but, but understand the background of what's happening in this passage. There is, a, there is a battle, if you please, of the wills. It is a battle between the will of God and the will of Pharaoh. Pharaoh's heart is hardened, and the Lord is determined to bring his people up out of Egypt. And he spoke through Moses and Aaron, let my people go. Moses had said, well, what if he won't do it? And the Lord said, you're going to perform signs and wonders. And, and it'll convince him to let my people go. Hallelujah. Love you, brother and sister Moore. So good to see you. So glad to see you. They're on their way to Italy, but they were stopped in another time. We're glad to see them. Amen. This is, this is what I want you to do. Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And when you tell him to let my people go, if his heart remains hardened, you just let the Lord show forth his mighty power through you. That sounds simple enough. I mean, it takes great faith. But if, hey, if God is for me, then who can be against me? So I can walk into this throne room and I can just do what the Lord told me to do. And that's, that's all there is to it.
And so Moses and Aaron walk in there and they let my people go. And Pharaoh laughed at them. Who do you think you are telling me to let God's people go? Don't you know who you're talking to? The most powerful man in the world. And Moses looked at Aaron and said, I thought he might say something like that. God showed me something in front of the burning bush. I didn't want to have to do it. But here it goes. And he takes out his rod and he throws it to the ground. And his rod turns into a serpent. And I can just imagine Moses and Aaron stepping back. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do about that? And Pharaoh looks over at his magicians and said, man, that's pretty impressive. You guys, you guys got something? They're like, we've got this. They throw down their rods and their rods turn into serpents. It's a discouraging thing when you, you believe and you've trusted and you go forth and, and you believe you've got some kind of a unique calling. And then all of a sudden when you take that step of faith, you find out that the world can actually duplicate something very similar to what you're doing. Don't, 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 don't give up and don't think that this is something that, that you need to be discouraged by because you, you, just, you just keep doing what God told you to do. And in a moment, what God told you to do is going to swallow up what the world would try to replicate or duplicate. And that's exactly what happened. They proceed. They go on. And, and the Bible said that he turned the water into blood. And they said, they said, oh man. We're going to turn the water into blood. And when he turns the water into blood, he thinks he's again provided some kind of a great miracle. Only to find out that the Egyptian magicians can turn the water into blood also. This would be a little disheartening. I'm not going to lie to you. If I'm Moses and Aaron, I'd be like, wait a minute. I thought you gave me some kind of a miracle working ability here. And here, everything I do, they're duplicating it. And then it, 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 it comes time for another plague. And the Bible says there was a plague of frogs where they brought frogs up out of the water. Now, let's see somebody try to bring frogs up out of the water. And sure enough, they brought frogs up out of the water. Man, I'd be so frustrated by now and a little worried. I might have bit off a little more than I can chew. The Bible says that they brought up lice. And the Bible says he literally turned the dust into lice. Exodus chapter 8 verse 16. The Lord said unto Moses, say unto Aaron, stretch out thy rod and smite the dust of the land that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod and smote the dust of the earth and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. Do you know how terrifying of a plague that had to have been? Some of y'all's coffee tables would be absolutely wrecked. Every speck of dust turned into lice throughout all the land of Egypt. He smote the dust with the rod of God and the dust turned to lice. And the dust throughout all the land of Egypt turned into lice. And the Bible said that the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and there were lice upon beast. Then the magician said unto Pharaoh, This 
is the finger of God. And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. They said, we have come to a, an awareness that what we're trying to do, we can't duplicate this. This is not the hand of man. We're not up against the, the abilities and the talents and the skill level of Moses and Aaron. This is the finger of God. They looked in awe upon what the Lord had done and said, we're not able to do what they have done because they're operating with the finger of God. And it convinced those magicians. They weren't able to do anything beyond that that Moses and Aaron were able to do because they had an encounter with the finger of God. And the finger of God, when it goes to work, it has the same impact as do the heavens, as do the moon, as, does, as do the stars. It has an impact upon people where they stop and say, who am I? What is man that thou art mindful of him? Who am I that you would even consider me? I'm looking at your hand. Work. I'm looking at your glory. I'm looking at the sun that keeps on shining and the moon that keeps on shining and the stars that keep on shining. And then I'm looking at the ordained works of your finger and all of it is telling me there's a God in heaven who has all power in heaven and in earth. There's a God in heaven who can do anything, can heal anything, can provide any miracle, can make a way with there is no way I'm up against something that I've never been up against the magician said this is the finger of God and the finger of God has that ability to stop people in their tracks and make them realize that they are dealing with a power that is greater than their own it happened in the book of Daniel when in the book of Daniel the mighty king by the name of Belshazzar he was a grandson to Nebuchadnezzar, and he had drifted so far from any cognizance of who God is. And he was a heathen king. His grandfather had some kind of, a, of an awareness of who God is. Belshazzar had no concern about the Lord whatsoever. And the Bible says that he took the vessels that were in the temple of the Lord and he filled them up with the wine of Babylon. He desecrated those holy vessels. He desecrated those sacred vessels. And when he desecrated them, he began to live it up. They had a party and they, they were drinking to their heathen gods and they were performing all types of sinful activities. It was something that would bring the judgment of God upon them. They didn't care. They didn't bother them or matter to them that they were desecrating the, the vessels of the Lord's temple. It was just a part of the party. Everybody's doing it. Nobody cares. And they, they had nothing that would call them into question until in the middle of their gathering appeared the hand. The Bible said the hand, the fingers of a man. And it began to write upon the wall. And as it wrote upon the wall, it said, meanie, meanie, tickel, you far 
person and nobody could give the interpretation of those words they called for the astrologers they called for the soothsayers they called for the Chaldeans they called for the magicians and nobody could tell them what those words meant but here came Daniel and when Daniel walked into the room the Bible said in him was an excellent spirit he wasn't intimidated by the words that the finger wrote he understood whose finger this really was hallelujah Belshazzar was so frightened by the finger that he saw that the Bible said that his knees smote against one another and his joints were loosed he got weak in the knees and he was about to fall over when he saw the magnitude of the judgment of God this demonstration this manifestation of the handwriting of God's finger upon the wall was enough to let Belshazzar know you're not the greatest in this world and you're not a king of all kings there is a God in heaven who has all power there is a God in heaven who is holy and righteous and wonderful there is a God in heaven who is almighty and I want to tell somebody, this world had better get their act together and start thinking straight because God will not always chide with man. Neither will he keep his anger forever. And when the hand of God gets involved with something, he will show forth his mighty power. He will show forth his mighty power. This, the finger of God. He looked upon the finger of God and he saw something he had never seen before. He saw power. He saw authority that he had never seen before. And it convinced him. He became convinced that very night for him. It was too late. The interpretation of Meanie Meanie to Kel Farson was you have been weighed in the balances and are found wanting. Tonight your kingdom will be taken from you. He saw the finger of God and it persuaded him of the glory of God. Moses. Moses is on the mountain talking to God. God said, I have a law. A law. I have a law. We heard Sunday about thank God for the law because the law told us what sin is. Without the law, we don't know what sin is. We go stumbling and bumbling and tumbling over ourselves. It's because of the law that we know we shall not kill. It's because of the law that we know we shall not steal. It's because of the law that we know we shall not commit adultery. We'd say, if, you had no, if you had no check on your, on your fleshly appetite, you would follow your most vile fleshly whim into a devil's hell. But it was the law that, that showed you what is right and what is wrong. And, and, and this, is, this is the law of God. But I'll tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. And, 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 and our nation is growing ever more anti-God. With each passing day, they're becoming more anti-God. And they're turning their back on the Lord with, with, with a, a frightening sense of rebellion. And, and, and as they do so, they, they're playing with fire, ladies and gentlemen. Because I want you to know this law that I'm talking about, it's not a law that man wrote. It wasn't written on parchment. It wasn't written somewhere in some book. It's not in some law journal. It's, this isn't some kind of a thing that man concocted. It was written with the finger of God. It was God who with 
with his finger inscribed these words. And listen, you can't keep any of these other commands until you understand this. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Hallelujah. You can't have any of the others until you have this understanding and it is the finger of God when Moses saw the finger of God write these words into tablets of stone and I want you to understand something ladies and gentlemen I'm gonna talk about this in a moment but he didn't just write those words with his finger in tablets of stone but he writes those words with his finger on the tablets of our heart he writes in us in our spirit in our mind in our heart thou shalt not commit adultery Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's belongings. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. When he writes it upon the tables of your heart, it will convince you of his power and his glory. I want you to understand now. I want you to hear what I'm telling you. Because as long as it's just written in stone, you can look at it and you can try really hard to do what it says. But it's when it's written on your heart that it becomes your nature to do what it says. Hallelujah. It becomes your desire. It's not your desire externally away from the tablets of stone saying, you know, I wish I could do that, but I can't help but coveting everything everybody else has. Man, I wish I could do that, but I still bear false witness against my neighbor. I wish I could do that, but I still hate, which is, which is killing. And I, still, and I still withhold from God, which is stealing. Hallelujah. And I still look upon a woman and lust after her, which is committing adultery. You hear what I'm telling you, but when it gets down in your heart, when the work of God's finger gets down in your heart and he begins to carve on the inner man what you should and should not do, it becomes not your second nature, your nature. All of a sudden, there are certain desires you used to have. You don't have them anymore. Don't you listen to this world that tries to tell you that people that, that, that people uh, just should go a certain direction in their life because they have a particular desire. Those desires are corrupt desires. Every single person that's born has corrupt desires. It's a part of their sinful nature. It doesn't matter who you are or what family you were born into. You were born with a sinful nature. So yes, you're going to have immoral desires. You're going to have wicked desires. You're going to have evil desires. You'll even have perverse desires. But you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. Hallelujah. I said you must be born again of the water and of the Spirit. And there's something that happens when you repent of your sins and are baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I want you to know God will step inside of you and he'll write a new law in your heart it will replace the law of sin and death and he'll take out the desire for wickedness the desire for fleshly things the desire for sinful things and he'll put in you a new desire a desire for holiness a desire for purity a desire for righteousness I said, God will do that. The Bible said, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. I want you to know what that means. See, people think, oh, God's going to give me the desires of my heart. I've always wanted a Rolls Royce. That doesn't mean God's going to give you a Rolls Royce. 
That means he's going to come down into your heart and he's going to shift your heart to start desiring what it should desire. And I'm going to tell you something. We've seen it. You've experienced it. You know what I'm talking about. When all of a sudden that craving that's been there for 25 years, it's not there anymore. He gave you new desires. Hallelujah. All of a sudden, that perversion that you used to think defined you, it's not there anymore. He gave you new desires. Hallelujah. What am I talking about? I'm talking about the ordained works of God's finger. It does something. It has the same persuasive power as does the heaven that shines above, the sun that shines in the heavens. It has the same persuasive power as the moon and the stars that shine at night. When you look upon it, you're just convinced he's great. He's glorious. He's wonderful. That's what happens when somebody looks at your changed life. When somebody looks looks at what God has done for you they consider you they dwell on you they have to walk away shaking their heads saying what is so different about that person there's something about them that's different than other people I meet hey don't you fall down into the rudiments of this world don't start treating people like the world treats people don't start looking down your nose at people be different stand out Love souls, pray, praise, worship, give God thanks and glory. And people will look upon you and see the good works of your Father, which is in heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, blessed be his holy name. Blessed be his holy name. The Bible said we are living epistles, read and known. Of all men. The Bible said that Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. I'm going to tell you something. If you're here tonight, he's the author of your faith. Your faith isn't finished yet. Paul said, I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. I have finished my course. Now we can say tonight we fought a good fight. We can say that so far. We're fighting a good. We're here tonight. We're trying to fight the good fight. We're trying to keep the faith. But none of us can say we finished our course. So he's the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, your story is still being written. And he's not, he's not writing with a pen. He's writing with his finger. And he's etching his law and his word. If you'll let him, he's etching his law and his word in your heart and your mind. Hallelujah. Your soul, your spirit, your relationships. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And people will look upon you. And not for your glory. Hear me now. Not for your glory. If people look upon you and glorify you, something's, something's, uh, there's a problem. But Jesus said, said, let them look upon you. See your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. <laughs> glorify your Father which is in heaven. They brought this woman caught in the act of adultery. They throw her down at the feet of Jesus. When she's thrown down at the feet of Jesus, it's the safest place she could be. She wasn't, she wasn't at the feet of one who was looking for a reason to make her feel worse than she already felt. She was a sinner, there was no question. She had violated the law of God, there was no question. They caught her in the act, there was no question. There's no debate. There's no debate. But when she was 
when she was in that vulnerable position and, and the accusers were shouting, Moses' law says she must be stoned to death. The Bible said that Jesus knelt down and with the same finger that wrote on Belshazzar's wall, with the same finger that etched into the tablets of stone, with the same finger that turned dust to lice, hallelujah with the same finger that formed man of the dust of the ground with the same finger that took a rib out of man and made he a woman with that same finger he knelt down and he began to write hallelujah in the dust oh hallelujah and as he began to write in the dust of the ground i don't know what he wrote every preacher including me thinks we know what he wrote but the bible doesn't say what he wrote but we all have an opinion about what he could have what he should have what he might have wrote but all I don't know what he wrote but what I do know hallelujah is that whatever he wrote and whenever he finished he stood up and looked at all of those who had murder in their eyes and maliciousness in their heart and wrath and indignation and anger ready to pounce on this woman caught in the act of adultery and he simply said let him that have no sin cast the first stone I don't know what he wrote in that sand but I know whatever he wrote was enough to cause the stones to drop and every man realize I'm dealing with a wisdom that is greater than me I'm dealing with a power that is greater than me I'm dealing with somebody who's more righteous than I you know what, ladies and gentlemen? There was somebody there that had no sin. There was somebody there qualified to cast the first stone, but he refused to do it. He was saying, the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. He said, where are thine accusers? She said, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you, when the finger of God gets to moving, it leaves an, an absolutely undeniable impact upon the lives of those who experience it thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus thank you jesus i'm telling you there's something about something about when his fingers get involved he'll spit in the ground and he'll reach down with those same fingers hallelujah and he'll make clay of the spittle he'll mix the spit with the mud he'll put it on eyes that have been blind since birth hallelujah oh glory to god but those eyes were just touched this isn't an optometrist this isn't a surgeon this isn't the best doctor that medical degrees can offer this is the great God of heaven who uses his finger to form and to fashion to etch and to sketch hallelujah to write law that is forever settled in the heavens and when he had an, an encounter with the finger of God go wash in the pool of Siloam they said why is this man blind is it because of his sin or because of his parents sin I'm gonna tell you that's that's what the devil does the devil will take your infirmity and he'll put so much blame on you and everybody around you everybody will feel guilty for what's going on you feel guilty about things you had absolutely nothing to do with you've got so much false guilt on you 
things that you feel bad for. Some things, obviously, we're guilty without the blood of Jesus. We all have blood on our hands without the blood of Jesus covering our life. But there's some things that the devil just shames and shames and shames. He is the accuser of the brethren. And do you know what Jesus said to the question, is it his sin or his parents' sin? He said, neither. He is in this condition so that my glory can be manifest. I'm going to take my fingers and I'm going to do a work for my glory to be manifest. I want people to look at what happens here today. Hallelujah. I want them to see this. I want them to consider this. I want them to behold this. And ask themselves, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And what is the son of man that thou visit him? Oh, hallelujah. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. Oh, bless his name. The Apostle Paul came to the church at Corinth. And this is what he said. He said, I come not to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. But I come to you in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And you know, I got to thinking about that. I, and I... I, I this, is, this was going to be a whole different message. But God merged it into the one I've been preaching. I, I began to look at this and, and I realized, what did Paul come to them with? What did he come to them with when he said the demonstration of the Spirit and of power? Paul had only one thing to come with them. This man had, had blood dripping off of his hands from having slain the Christians. This man was not to be trusted. This man was, had, you talk about a man that had a, a record. You talk about a man that had a past. You talk about a man that had issues. There's no way he should have been trusted. You imagine somebody that puts a warrant out on each of us and puts a bounty out on our heads and then two weeks, two months, three months later, we bring him in here and he's preaching a message to us this man was not to be trusted by the by the early church but yet when they heard his words in acts in the book of acts it describes that he stood up before them after he was converted and he was saved and he was sanctified and he was washed with the blood of the lamb and he was filled with the holy ghost hallelujah and he began to grow in grace and in the knowledge of our god he walked then in before them and explained to them what happened he said i was riding down the road one day and a great light began to shine above the brightness of the sun. It knocked me off my high horse. I've never been the same since. He picked me up, turned me around, placed my feet on a solid ground. I'm here to tell you, God did what nobody else could do. God did what I couldn't do for myself. God cleaned me up. God turned me around. God washed me from the inside out so persuasive was his testimony that they all stood in awe and they marveled at him and said this thing is very Christ oh I love that Ooh, it's very Christ you give me your testimony about how the Lord brought you out. There's only one thing that is. That's very Christ. That was very Christ of God to do that. 
That's how it works. He's a rose in the desert. He's a stream in the wilderness. Hallelujah. He's a root out of a dry ground. He's joy in the midst of sorrow. He's peace in the midst of the storm. He's healing in your sickness. That's very Christ. That's what Paul had as demonstration of the spirit and of power. What he had as demonstration of the spirit and of power was, look what the Lord has done in my life. I was, uh, this is why Paul said he was, first he said he was, he was the least of the apostles. Then he said he was less than the least of all saints. By the time it's over, he said, I am the chiefest of sinners. Because he, he understood what he had done and where he had been. And he stood before the people and said, I don't, I don't have anything except the testimony that he brought me out of darkness, set my feet upon a rock, delivered me and gave me a song to sing, put joy in my soul. Hallelujah. This man who would say, count it all joy. Hallelujah. This man, hallelujah, who would say, glory to God, he would say that, 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 that we are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. He would say, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He would say, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that. Hallelujah. Which I have committed against that day he would say I am persuaded that nothing shall separate me from the love of Christ because he brought me out of darkness and he set me up upon a rock he lifted me he lifted me he lifted me and when people looked at Paul they marveled just as David when he considered the heavens and the moon and the stars and the work of God's fingers and said, oh, what is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? You cannot, listen, you hear what I'm telling you. Holy Ghost filled, Jesus name baptized, child of God. You cannot receive what the Lord has given you and then not let it shine to those. He said, do not put a bushel over your candle, but let your light so shine. Let it so shine. Let it so shine. Hallelujah. Glory to God. We got so used to all this weather. It was such nice weather. Seemed like in August it was just beautiful weather. And then we had one drizzly day and I got in a bad mood. One drizzly day is all it took. Isn't that awful? And then the next day it was gray. And I still was wishing, man, I'm ready for that sunshine. And about, about halfway through the day, here came the sun. And the light of the sun radiated throughout the earth. And I saw the glory of the Lord. And I magnified his name. Don't you know that's what you are when you walk into that gloomy, cloudy workplace? When you walk into that gloomy, cloudy family reunion? When you walk into that gloomy, cloudy set of circumstances? Don't you subject yourself to the gloom and the despair that you see? You are a light of the world. You are a city on a hill that cannot be hid. You are a ray of sunshine. Smile. Light it up up light that whole room up light everybody up with whom you come in contact shake their hand hug their neck tell them Jesus loves them let them see the glory of the Lord in you
Why am I going through this, Pastor? Is it because of my fault or my parents' fault? Neither, but because the glory of the Lord will be manifest in you. If you've got a difficult background, something you went through, you wish you never had to go through, don't resent it. Stop resenting it. I said, stop resenting it. Turn it over to Jesus and let him cause your light to shine ever more. Come on, let's clap our hands and lift our worship under the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, come on, let's stand to our feet right now and give God praise. Let's give God praise. Let's give God praise. Let's give God praise. For he's worthy of all the praise. He's worthy of all the praise. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. He's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the praise. If you've got a testimony tonight, I want you just to lift up your praise unto God right now. Come on, lift up your heart full of worship unto the Lord. I love you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I praise you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord. I worship you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. You may not have, you may not have a mission field like Paul had, where that he would go into a totally different nation that has never heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. You may not be able to, to, to say that you'll go there like Paul said that he would go there. But I want you to know that wherever you go, that's a mission field. Wherever you go, that's a mission field. Hallelujah. I, I believe the Lord just wants to move upon somebody's heart right now. You're ordained to declare the glory of God like the sun. You don't have to stand behind the pulpit to declare His glory. Your life will declare His glory. This pulpit, this pulpit, is, it, was built by, it was built by people. People built this pulpit. But God built you. God ordained you. He filled you with unique talents, unique abilities, unique gifts. He has ordained you for His purpose, for His glory. Hallelujah. If you need a healing touch of God right now, just let the Lord minister to you right where you stand. Right where you stand. We're going to sing unto the Lord for a moment. And I want you just to let the Word do a work in you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Let the Lord do a work in you right now. You know what you need Him to do? You need Him to, you need him to be the potter. And you need to be the clay. Don't resist what the Lord would do in your heart right now. Lord, mold me. Mold me for your purpose. Mold me for your glory, oh God. Mold me for your glory, oh God. Come on, that's it. Let him do it right now in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If you weren't there, 
Jesus, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine Jesus, I love you because you care. I couldn't imagine. Thank you, Lord, if you weren't there. Oh, come on, that's it. Tell him, I love you, Jesus, because you care. I couldn't imagine. Hallelujah, if you weren't there. 